Welcome to another Nizo South Texas Golf Podcast, episode number 54. I always have a special guest, but my special guest tonight is holds a little, little, little spot in my heart, uh, deep in my heart, because he is actually the head golf pro at Corpus Christi Country Club in Corpus Christi, Texas. I have Brent Blackburn on tonight. He's going to be talking a little bit about his story, some of the great things he has as he was just newly appointed the head golf professional there at Corpus Christi Country Club back in January. He's a teaching professional, about a little over 25 years in the golf game. He's got some great stories. I've spoken to him before, and I think he's going to be perfect for the show. But before we get into that interview, I have a word from our sponsor here. I'm thankful to have Michael Ayagide with Capital Strategies and Mass Mutual Firm as the sponsor of the show. Like my passion for golf, Mike has a passion for helping others, especially in the financial department. Please allow him to give you a free financial analysis and help give you and your family a better fiscal outlook. I trust Mike with my finances. Please trust him with yours. There's several ways you can hit him up. On his cell phone at 210-413-2522 or on his website at www.michael-agitted.com. That's Michael A. Agitted, financial advisor with Capital Strategies. Mike will not do you wrong. Thank you for your sponsorship, Mike. I truly appreciate you. All right. Welcome to the show, Brent. How are you doing tonight? All right. Oh, doing great, Andy. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I actually just got off the course. I played nine, the back nine at Olympia Hills in Universal City, just right outside of San Antonio with my daughter right now. So it was pretty good. Fantastic. Well, I just got off the uh, course myself working with the uh, ladies at uh, finishing up our last Operation 36 for the spring semester. So having some fun with them. So uh, lots of fun. All right. Well, thanks so much for being on the show tonight. Let's get right into it. So, Brent, I know you just got appointed as the head golf professional at Corpus Christi Country Club back in January. So how did this all come to be and what golf club did you come from? Good question. So I was at uh, Gentle Creek Country Club, which is in Prosper, just north of Dallas. And uh, sorry as my pup gets <laughs> Dallas over here. But uh, um, so uh, Gentle Creek was a privately owned or is a privately owned uh, country club. And uh, so we'll just say that uh, uh, my values weren't in line with the owner anymore. So uh, when the opportunity came open at uh Corpus Christi Country Club to be back at a member-owned facility, which is kind of my background. Um, I jumped at the chance and, and fortunately it worked out for me to uh, make that uh, move down to Corpus. So it's, uh, um, yeah, I grew up in Lubbock. Um, so everybody asked me about, uh, you know, how do you like the wind down in Corpus? I'm like, well, at least in Corpus, the wind tops out at about 30, 35 miles an hour. Where I grew up, um, you know, it'd be 50 miles an hour with brown dirt in the air, uh, so you're always uh, fighting that. But uh, no, uh, we've we've liked getting back to the smaller footprint after being in, I was in Houston for 15 years and then in Dallas for another 10. So to get back to a smaller footprint has been really a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I had somebody the other day tell me they had to go all the way to downtown. You know, it took them a whole 10 or 12 minutes to get to downtown. I'm like, gosh, where I'm from, that's a 30 minute starter, you know, to go anywhere. So no, it's been great to get, you know, uh, somebody says, hey, did you go out and eat? And I said, yeah, we went to downtown. Like, you went all the way to downtown? Yes. We went a whole 20 minutes <laughs> across town to get some place to eat. So now it's been great. 
Well, I'm glad I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad my my hometown city is treating you well. And and that's one thing, you know, honestly, being from Corpus Christi, I think it's such I think it's like a small town. Right. And so I move up to San Antonio back in 98 to come to UTSA, University of Texas at San Antonio. And I'm speaking to a, like or I'm talking to a lot of people up here. And as I'm as I'm t- trying to explain where I'm from, everyone's like, yeah, I know Corpus. I know Corpus. And I'm just like, I'm blown away because I think Corpus is such a small like town. And, you know, these pa- these people are giving me places like like Yavaldi, Concan, Crystal City. And I'm just like, no, 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 never, <laughs> never heard of it. And then I realized how big of a city Corpus is. And again, you know, hey, the beach. And so everyone says the Corpus. But. They, they don't mean really corpus. They're talking about GP, Gregory Portland, Rockport, Port A. And I'm like, those aren't, that's not corpus. No, for sure. Corp, you know, the, it's just one of those things. It's actually bigger than people think because I think most people are going to the beach. They're going to Port A, uh, things of that nature, which are fun. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but no, uh, there's a lot going on in corpus and I've been impressed. I think it's, I think it's great. And we, we kind of enjoyed getting here. So. Well, well, I'm glad to hear that. Let's go ahead and get into some golf right here. So what got you started in this crazy game of golf? Yeah, so uh, what got me started? Well, so back long time ago, um, gosh, I guess I was probably in my, you know, 8, 9, 10. My dad was a player. He liked getting out. And so he would, you know, I wanted to hang out with dad. So I went and uh, he'd let me go to the golf course with him. And it's one of those things, wouldn't get to play or whatever at first. And then over time, I'd get to play nine holes. And and then as time moved on, uh, when I got into junior high, you know, my love was really football. I wanted to play football, but I was playing football, basketball, ran track. And then the summers would play golf. And, um, um, you know, fortunately, my parents joined a local club there in Lubbock. And um, as time moved on, um, I, you know, in Lubbock, our freshman years in junior high, right? So I played football, ran uh, basketball, ran track. And so I was going to go in, be a football player in the high school. And uh, so the, the high school football coach comes to our junior high and he meets with each one of us individually. And, and uh, he broke my heart. He basically told me that, uh, you know, a kid your size will never play varsity on my team. And so, of course, being a kid, I don't know that he's trying to motivate me or whatever he's trying to do. But fortunately, he gave me a great gift because it's kind of worked out. Um, so I'm like, well, I've been playing golf. I, I'm going to go try and make the, the golf team. And so sure enough, made the golf team and uh, um, was fortunate to let her off three years. And and uh, but, yeah, I mean, what a gift he gave. But, yeah, I can't, you know. Sometimes people wonder why people don't stay in sports. Well, there's a prime example of what got me motivated to go do something else. And, uh, you know, and I know some people that burns in them like, I'm going to show that guy or whatever, but I'm a kid. I didn't know. I don't know what he was trying to do, but yeah, what a gift he gave me as it turns out that he gave me a lifelong career. So, uh, but anyway, keep on going. We played, uh, didn't end up trying to do anything in college. We, I didn't really have any mentors in Lubbock that helped us. Um, so I didn't even know that I, you know, I knew that their colleges had players, but I didn't know that there were junior colleges looking for players. I didn't know that there were division two and I knew division two and three schools had teams, but I didn't realize that they, um, you know, I thought you had to be recruited. So I go off to college and I I was going to Texas tech and ended up trying to walk on the team and got second. And guess what that gets you? Nothing. (laughs) um, um, And that's, 
that's when you when I started to feel like my life on the PGA Tour wasn't going to quite come come through. So uh, I started working at one of the local uh, golf courses at the municipal. We had a 36 hole municipal course, started working there. And then as kind of things worked out, uh, what, next thing you know, one of the assistants got a job at Amarillo Country Club. And six months later, they had some turnover and I'm getting a call. Hey, you have any interest in getting in the golf business? And after working in a year, I didn't mind, you know, I wanted to be around golf. I didn't mind working weekends and holidays. Um, You're the perfect, perfect candidate. <laughs> oh yeah, it worked out. I, I think so. Yeah. So anyway, end up uh, moving up to Amarillo, getting in the business and, you know, that's kind of where it started. So yeah, that's, that's kind of my road to, to get in the business. It's just, uh, uh, once you kind of fi figure out that you're not going to be a player, uh, you start seeing what other options. If I, if you want to stay in golf, what other options are there to uh, make make a living? So that's how I got going. I know I know what you mean there about uh, once you figure you're not a player, so you you do some things like start podcasting, interviewing <laughs> top coaches, so you learn yes. a thing or two for free. <laughs> yes, for sure. Now, what's the what's the top course there in Lubbock? Because I'm not too familiar with that area. Yeah, so uh, there's going to be a couple that are worth checking out if you can. Uh, of course, Lubbock Country Club is the, probably the top course, but the Rawls course, which wasn't there when I was was in Lubbock, um, is the university course. It's called the Rawls course at Texas Tech. And if you're in that part of the area or part of the state, it's worth checking out. Um, it's uh, Tom Doak design and... Uh, uh, basically, when I was when I was going to school there, it was a cotton field, so it had one inch of elevation on it. And so, my understanding is is they they've moved a million cubic uh, feet of dirt to make this link style thing happen out there. So it's it's worth. Uh, there's a few courses in West Texas worth checking out, and if you're in that part of the state, that's one of them. Now that's always a that's always a good thing. I'm always trying to really inform my viewers, inform my listeners of where to go when you're in a certain area. Now, for some people that might not know, what's the difference between I guess your normal golf course and a links course? Because I constantly hear that oh, it plays like a links style, and I'm over here like I'm just thinking of kind of like the old course and thinking of like British or the, the old British Open style courses, and I'm like I, I guess that's a links course. So what's the difference, or what is a links course? Yeah. So originally, by definition, a links course was by the sea. Um, so that's why uh, the old course, you know, those courses when they the British Open Rota generally by the sea is called links. If it's inland, it was called a Parkland style golf course. So then is, if you think about it, um, not that I'm Mr. Golf Historian, but if you think about it, when um, the uh, folks were coming over to the United States and they were starting to build these golf courses like at say Wingfoot or what have you, they, there were no trees. So they would build the golf course, which to them seemed link style, right? Because there were no trees. And then as time went on, uh, you know, then the American spin kind of got on it to where they're putting and planting trees. And then of course they keep growing over time and then they become more of a Parkland style golf course. So, uh, so when you hear the term links now, especially at say the Rawls course, they built it that way, knowing there are really no trees um, that, that really come into play. So they call that more of a link style now that basically means no trees. Uh, so in my mind, as we as <laughs> does put a link style approach now, it's really lots of bunkering um, and fits, um, you know, like when you go to 
Now, hadn't been to Bandit Dunes, but when I see pictures of it, uh, there's not a lot of trees. They're they're working with the land. Um, and uh, so anyway, links are typically by the sea. Parkland style golf courses are inland. That's how the definition was originally. That's some knowledge drop because I, I recently had, I had a superintendent of, of uh, the golf club of Texas in San Antonio here last week, Ken Buckler. And I always like to pick up just little things for, from pros, from, uh, from superintendents, from people that obviously know more about golf than me. And man, you dropped some knowledge on me today right there about links and about Parkland. So I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to sound real, like a real golf historian next time I speak to somebody when they ask me about a links course. And I'm going to say, I'm going to quote, I'm going to quote the head golf professional at Corpus Christi Country Club, Brent Blackburn. <laughs> Hey, anytime I can add to your knowledge base, I'm doing well. <laughs> now you are. You're already, you're already off to a hot start. Now, right here, why don't you tell me uh, your favorite course that you've ever played at? Um, well, good question. So um, I'll just, well, just for fun, we'll keep it in the state. Um, so I've got two of my favorite areas in the state. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to cheat and go with two. So uh, there's a, on Lake Conroe on the north side, there's a place called Bentwater. And uh, at Bentwater, there's, it's just pine trees and lots of hills uh, through the pine trees, which is something you don't get in Texas a lot. So that's, 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 that's a, we'll call that a tie for first. And then the second, I'm going to take it to Marble Falls and uh, pretty much anything in Marble Falls, Horseshoe Bay area. Yeah, Horseshoe Bay. Um, but um, if you ever get the chance to go to Escondido, and or uh, the Summit Rock. I mean, those are just, that's as good as it gets there. Just being in the hill country, you can't go wrong. So, been just kind of thinking of both of those, lots of hills, except you have Piney Woods over in uh, Lake Conroe, and then you got uh, just great golf in uh, Marble Falls, and uh, those are just, anytime you get some hills. When you grow up in Lubbock, and then now I'm in Corpus, and uh, hey, hills <laughs> are a good thing, right? Well, your course, your course has got some bumps along the way. I mean, they're not they're not towering hills. I mean, there are, and that's one thing that one of the goals of my podcast, and I had told you this previously when we spoke, was was taking my dad there to his his childhood gig when he was growing up. He was there in his teens. He was a caddy there way back when. He said he would he was caddying for some of the top lawyers and doctors and politicians way back in the day. And at the Corpus Christi Country Club, him and his brother, they said they would get like a, a dollar, I think they said working at 18, and then they'd get kicked to the, what they called the caddy shack at the time. And he said, that's really where he learned the game of golf. So one of my big goals was to take my dad to play there. And luckily enough, we got the opportunity to go play back in March during spring break. And I remember uh, asking about you that you were so new there, you didn't even have uh, you didn't even have a card, a business card. And so luckily enough, the, the young man in the pro shop you know, he was able to give me give me your information like to a T. And I was like, you know what? Hey, that's a good employee right there because I have trouble writing down my complete email address at times. Well, fortunately, we've uh, gotten those business cards. So uh, we're, you know, moving along. But uh, now it's uh, it's interesting how things uh, have evolved to when, uh, you know, folks were really uh, making, you know, helping their family make ends meet doing those types of things. So uh uh, the business has evolved a, a long way. Okay, what's what seemed to be your favorite hole there around your course? Because right here, look, I'm going to put up a picture here real quick. Uh, I saw it, um, and everything I'm pulling is from your social media. So if you're you're questioning a picture or something, you know, you got to look deep inside, all right? 
Yeah. So uh, that's, that's number one right there. So uh, number one ever. So there's, you can kind of see the tree. Uh, there's a, there's a tree with some greenery on it. That's right off the tee box. But if you look a little bit farther down, there's a tree that doesn't have any leaves on it at that, at this time. And that's a eucalyptus tree. And everybody hates that tree who cuts the ball because they hit that ball with every shot, <laughs> every shot off the tee box. And if they do miss it and they do cut the ball, then they're in the driving range, which is off to the right. So, uh, yeah, number one's a tough, tough hole, uh, dog leg left. But that eucalyptus tree is uh, the bane of many slicers existence because it's a, a brutal, uh, brutal um start because you can't i mean you just can't navigate that thing if you're cutting it but uh no my favorite hole um, i'm kind of a par five fan um i enjoy playing the good par fives and uh, the 11th hole is a good par five um usually into the wind um and for most of us it's a three shot hole there's some folks who can get there in two i can't quite get there in two uh if if uh, the wind's out of the north i might can get there but uh, it's a fun hole usually a three shot hole now what type of grass is out there in the fairway and the greens? Yeah, so it's Bermuda. Um, on the greens, we'll start there. It's a, a Tiff Eagle, um, which is kind of uh, a really solid, uh, fast Bermuda grass. Grows really tight. Um, that's that's uh, been really solid. And uh, then we still have the old school uh, common Bermuda. That's from 1963 when the course was when the when the course was built at this location. Yeah, so the club opened in 1922, and uh, John Bredemus actually, throwing throwing some more history on you, uh, he did the original routing at uh, uh, the old course uh, back in 1922. So where was uh, that located? Uh, good question. I think it's <laughs> Old River Road was the thing, as what I understand. So uh, I think now there's a bunch of uh, 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 plants over there. So. Uh, uh. <laughs> oil and gas or what have you. So, uh, but yeah, uh, but I hear it was a great place and, and it's just one of those things that the, the usually courses are only worth what their land is. And uh, it got to be to where the, the land got so valuable. Uh, they made an offer to the membership and the membership took it and the membership moved out to its current location off Everhart. Well, I think it's worked out pretty good. Now, what hole is it? I think is it is it ten, if I'm not mistaken. That's right there by. I guess is it is it, it's not Everhart. Is it Yorktown, Saratoga? Um, so, um, so ten's right uh, by the parking lot, and then as you work your way around the back nine, um, uh, sixteen and seventeen come there down. There we go. Yeah, yeah, because because I guess it's a uh, seventeen that you have to go. Is it the part three over the water? Right. right? Okay. Yeah, that's right. Cause, cause uh, constantly, I remember growing up, I was always the ones honking the horns. You know, you hate riding, <laughs> riding guys' backswings. You know. Yes. Yes. Getting everybody's attention. Oh yeah, yeah. And so it's man, it's a great track. I really like it. It's it reminds me. It does. It reminds me of a little bit, a little bit of an old school course. You know, to where at, at in parts it's kind of tight. You know, the, it's it's got small fairways. The greens were worked pretty good. I actually shot, if I'm not mistaken, there from the blues. I shot a 84. So I didn't, I didn't think that was too bad for me. Hey, that's pretty good. And I can tell you, the greens are like super tiny. So in the wind that we have, um, it's tough. It's tough to get that green and rag percentage up. It's a, you're doing a lot of short game work around that place. I can tell you. Well, okay. Now tell me as we, as we get a little bit more into the, the, the course, uh, what's the lowest you've gone there at Corpus Christi country club? 
Well, I, I need more reps. I need more reps. I've been, it's, uh, this is one of those things you just hit the ground running. And, and as a matter of fact, my last 18 hole round was in February. So I've been, I've been uh, head down, tail up, so to speak, uh, working like crazy. And as a matter of fact, I'm, I'm going to start getting back into playing um, here. And uh, I've got it marked. Matter of fact, I've got next Friday marked off after lunch. We're going to start getting back into playing. And I'm going to hope to make Friday kind of afternoon my play day. Um, and uh, we're going to start getting the club back in my hand. So, so I don't have a low round yet. Um, I'd say, well, I shot 76. I don't know if that's going too low, but uh, <laughs> I've only got about two rounds in the uh, two 18 hole rounds in at the club. So we'll, uh, we'll report back and see uh, what, what's happening here as we, as we uh, get back into playing. Well, that's what I like to hear. So right now I'm going to play a little clip uh, from one of your teaching lessons right here. And just in case my viewers don't be shocked, yes, this is Brent style. He's not only a great instructor, <laughs> but he's also a fashionista <laughs> right here. Hi, I'm Brent Blackburn, your head golf professional here at Corpus Christi Country Club. And I get a lot of questions about what are some good drills for putting. And today I've got one called Leapfrog. And so I've got a tee set up to where I'm going to be putting from. And I made three paces, which is roughly nine feet to a tee. Then I made another two paces and put a tee down at 15 feet. So my goal in Leapfrog is that I want the ball to get even or just past this first tee. And if I can get it even or just past, then my next ball is gonna get even or just past the golf ball. And then I keep doing that drill because it helps me with my distance control. And then my goal is to fit as many golf balls as I can between those tees. And I want to try and keep track of that so that I can keep an idea of if I'm getting better at my distance There you go. All right. That's a good drill right there, man. I'm, again, I'm always trying to I'm always trying to get something for free. I'm always trying to learn a little something for free. Yeah, the juniors hate that drill. It's a hard drill, um, but no, it's it's really good. Uh, if you can, if uh, so, yeah, if you have, if you get it in that distance, and if you can get upwards near six or eight, and then if you get really good at, it, then you start giving yourself a, a longer putt. Yeah, you can. That, it's really a good drill. But yeah, the juniors hate it. They uh, it's too hard on them. So yeah, you gotta you gotta sneak those in on them. Now tell me about your junior program. I see that I see from the videos and from the posts that things are really picking up, especially with golf and due to this COVID time. I think that from speaking to a lot of people in the golf game, they said golfing is up like 43 to 45% in sales and tee times. Those tee sheets are getting a little bit more full, especially at the municipal golf courses. Now tell me a little bit about your junior golf program. Yeah, so um, when I was, uh, well, it's a long story, but to make a long story short, uh, we found a group called Operation 36. And some of the hardest parts when you do a junior program is coming up with the curriculum um, of what you're trying to do. Uh, so if you're going to try and do a year round junior program, which is what I wanted to do. Uh, um, so you're going to have a spring semester, which is a 12 week program, a summer session, which is a roughly eight weeks. You're going to do another 12 weeks in the fall and then an eight weeks in the winter. So when we were in the Dallas area, um, I had a director of instruction who was doing that for me. And so he came up with all the curriculum and it's it's really 
it's really tough. And because uh, uh, you want to make sure that the kids are learning something and getting better, but you want it to be fun. Um, and and he was doing a great job with that. Well, we, we came across these folks called uh, with the came up with this Operation 36 program. And it's so simple that, you know, everybody goes, gosh, why didn't I think of that? Um, but they had so much curriculum with that. So stuff what we hadn't even thought of, but totally is so much fun. And then the other part of that is, is they have the, the players, the juniors will get out on the golf course and try and shoot 36 or under, and you start off from 25 yards. And if they can shoot 36 or under from 25 yards, then they, then the next time they get to advance to 50 yards. And you have some kids, I mean, they, you know, the first few times they can't get there. Maybe they shoot 52 or whatever from, from 36 yards. Um, but as they, as they keep trying and they keep going through the program, their, their scores really start to plummet and go down. Um, and then, you know, so if you shoot 36 from, from 25, then you go to 50. If you do it from 50, you go to hundred. If you do it from hundred, you go to 150, 200, 250, and then you go to the first set of tees, you know, then you just keep working your way back. So there's always a challenge point to that. Um, they have a great app. So for, for kids or who are, who love being, uh, uh, technology, which most kids do, by the way, um, they, they get to keep track of that through the app. Plus it helps mom and dad keep track of where they're at. And, uh, yeah, I just can't say enough about it. So when I was at General Creek before we ended up, when I left, we had over a hundred kids in the operation 36 program, um, so then when I come down here, I'm like, well, we're absolutely going to do that. So sure enough, we have and have and have had a great response. So um, it's just a fantastic program. There's lots of programs out there that are really good, uh, but I just can't say enough good things about the Operation 36 program. So not only is it great for juniors, I mean, it's great for anybody. So we do a ladies program with it. Um, we we changed some of the, uh, pro, the uh, content to be more attuned towards adults um, for the ladies. But uh, yeah, and just like I said, got through with that tonight and uh, had one lady pass uh, from 25 yards. Um, so uh, I just can't say enough good things about it. So if anybody is is on the fence about it, jump off the fence and go jump into the program because it's fantastic. Well, see, that's interesting that you say that. Uh, I was just thinking, I said, do they have this stuff for adults? Because I know David Orgeron here in the San, the greater San Antonio area, especially out in his range in golf facility in New Bronzeville's, uh, you know, I'd say about maybe about 30, 40 miles right outside of San Antonio. Now he does Operation 36 and it seems like it's normally done with junior golfers. But I like how you stated that you do it with your female golfers. And I'm I'm interested because, you know, I'm always trying to get a little bit sharper and especially guys like me, hack golfers, grinders, you know, we want to get, we want to get better, but we don't want to be that one lone guy out there, uh, you know, amongst like some 60 year old golfers or, you know, I, I think the, the trend has been, there's a lot more of that diverse golfer out there now that, you know, maybe want to play that, that, that sundown nine you know, maybe want to have some brews with, you know, their bro time, like we spoke about, you know, earlier when we talked. And I think that's something that that can be really, you know, explored with especially the big boom in golf right now. Well, so the thing that we've seen that's been so popular with the ladies is it's more social, number one. So what we do, we, we go an hour and a half uh, every week. And so we'll do a topic uh, for roughly, we'll call it 40, 45 minutes. And then we go grab a beverage 
as you said, and then we go apply the topic on the course. So um, I think that, and usually um, ladies are going to be more social anyway. Um, but if I were going to do a program, which uh, for anybody listening, this is going to happen, uh, we're going to do what we call a practice club. And so the what I'd do is I'd take some of that same content um, and we'd have we'd meet once a week and uh, we'll do a practice club to where we're having some of that. So for folks um, who might be um, maybe not want to have all the uh, less frills, um, we'll have some of the practice. They'll have homework and then we'd go do the Operation 36 um, once a month and give them those challenge points to now that you can have you've had that practice time. Now let's go apply it. And uh, and let's let's make those challenge points as you go through, whether it's 25 yards. And once you pass that, you go to 50. And I can tell you, um, and, and for some of my high school prep kids, um, I was forcing them to start at 25 yards and they thought that that was too beneath them. Right. Kitty. Um, they might have been kitty a little bit. Right. <laughs> yeah. So we changed their I said, hey, look, if you shoot 36 or less, you're going to pass. But today your goal is to shoot 28. OK, so we treat every hole as a par four. But if they're going to shoot 28, that means they're going to have to chip it on in two putt. And I gave them one more out, you know, so so that so three times nine is 27. And I gave them one more for a 28. So uh, and also the, the Operation 36 folks are real good about showing you what would tour level guys shoot uh, from 25 yards. Well, it's 24. That's the average. So when you think about it, it's not that easy. Um, you know, a lot of people think, well, I'm just going to go shoot 18. No, you're not. You're not going to get it up and down nine times from 25 yards. And, uh, if you look at the PGA tour stats, uh, from 25 yards, it's, you know, they're averaging about 12 feet from the hole. And last time I checked the yards aren't, aren't your favor to make putts from 12 feet. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it, it's really, uh, I think if people, think it's not that big a deal, um, you're underselling the deal. Um, it's it's really a lot of, number one, it's a lot of fun, but two, uh, just change your challenge point. If you think 36 is too high for you, no problem. Make it 27 and see how it goes. It's tough, I'm telling you. I, I, to I totally agree with you there because, and I think that's where a lot of guys, like I'd say, like me, I'm, I'm, I'm at playing at a 10.3 right now and I'm constantly, I'm trying to get in that single digits. And I just, it's about where, our focus is towards how we practice. And I had a really good instructor on. He's out here at Briggs Ranch. He's the director of instruction for the Dormy Network out here in San Antonio. And uh, his name's Trevor Salzman. And he was constantly talking about his, you have to practice like, you know, he, 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 he works with his students about practicing in game type situations or like live round situations. Uh, you know, Hey, you're, you're kind of by this tree or, you know, you need to get up and down from a hundred out or this, that, and the other. And he made a lot of sense because as I listen to podcasts, you know, there's a lot of crap music out there nowadays and you can't listen to the same damn country stations or classic rock, you know, or ACDC all the damn time. And so, especially here in San Antonio, everything takes at least 20, 15, 30 minutes to get anywhere. And so I'm constantly listening to podcasts and hearing about what type of practice works best. And I always hear guys tell me, oh, you know, how do you get off the tee? Or, you know, they're always asking questions. And that makes a lot of sense from working 25 and in because that's kind of a distance I don't like to be in. If I'm playing a par, a par five, 
And on my second shot, sure, I could hit a, a 215, maybe 223 would, but I'll have like a 60-yard shot or 50-yard shot. I don't like that. I'm, I'd, I'd probably go maybe a four iron or five iron because I want a full like a full like sand wedge or full gap wedge for me, which is like 100, 110. I want to hit that type of shot to take a full swing as opposed to like maybe like a 40-yard shot, a 30-yard shot to where it's a lot of touch. Yeah. And, you know, to go along those lines, I love what your instructor is saying. And I, I would take that as, as we're basically saying the same thing. You're going to practice like you play and play like you practice. OK, now it what if you took the let's say you hit it off in the trees. What's your what's your strategy from there? Um, so to me, a strategy, a strategy could be what if I hit it into uh, if I could get it inside 60 yards, if I can now get it in, inside 60 yards and I can hit it on and two putt, that's a maximum bogey most of the times. So, I mean, how many times if we got done playing, if we said, gosh, dang, if I wouldn't have double bogeyed something or, you know, if you said, hey, my maximum score, you know, and that's that's just a, a way of thinking it through. If I get into trouble, how can I get it inside 60 yards to try and chip it on or pitch it on in two putt just saying, Hey, and who knows, maybe I'll make the putt for par, but if I can get into that zone to where I can try and make it on in two putt and yes, we might three putt from here and there, but for the most part, if I could do that, would that help my score day in and day out? I think the answer is absolutely. Hell and, yeah. and if, especially if I'm a player who's trying to break 90, if that's my, if that's my goal, um, you know, just doing the math, 18 bogeys is 90. OK, so if I can make bogey my maximum score, is that one step closer to break a 90? Yeah, absolutely. And if and, the, and proximity to, to green makes a difference. So if I was instead of 50 yards, if I got that to 30 yards, would that help things out? Yeah, absolutely. It would. So I think if you started to rechange that, because the first thing everybody wants to do is said, hey, Brent, hey, well, I want to go out and get better. OK, I'm going over to the chipping area and they're going over to the driving range. OK. If you that's said, me. Hey, that's, that's me. That's, that's me. my goal is to drop five shots immediately. Then let's go work a strategy that's going to help you do that. And it's not with the driver. That's not. That's not it. Because even out the play, if you if you check the PGA Tour stats, it's the same. They only hit so many fairways. You're going to miss some. So then let's plan through. Not that we can't strive to make our strings our swings better, but if we can have a strategy when things don't go the right way. Instead of what I'll see people do is they're trying to hit that one out of 10 shot. And when you hit that one out of 10 shot, that's when they get those eights. And that and that just crushes your score, right? Because you it's hard to recover from that because I'm not making that many birdies to to come, you know, to to get out from under that eight. So yeah, I think come coming back through and saying, hey, objectively, which is really hard to be when you're outside playing and you have this little scorecard that's got your name with all these boxes and that adds up to what kind of player you are that day, right? Yeah, so it's hard to be objective when you're out playing. And uh, so yeah, having that strategy to say, hey, if I can, if I hit it over here, now I can hit it to here and now I can chip it on and two putt and my maximum score is five. Now, Okay, so you gave us the tips and the ideas, uh, the strategy to break 90. Now, this is where I really want to ask you. Now, I'm cut, I've am i been flirting a lot with 81s, 82s, 83s. What's the next step in breaking, you know, breaking 80 and getting into those 70s? Okay, so at any barrier, 
whatever that is. As players, what do we do the most? We make some pars, right? We're at hole five or six or seven, and we're like thinking, oh, if I extrapolate the score out, I will shoot X, right? And I think as players, we need to say, hey, look, what got us there? What got us to being you know, shooting some of our best, some of our best scores. And that's really staying. And this is, it may sound cliche, but you have to stay in the moment. You can't get the cart in front of the horse. Um, how did you hit those great shots? You know, what's the process that helps you hit, make those scores, right? And if you don't have a clear idea of what you're trying to do in your mind, I think that's where people get messed up because how many times have you been to where you've shot 36 on the front nine and then you go get something at the turn and then you shoot 44 or whatever, right? That happens all the time. So I think as you keep going, what was what were the things that made you successful? Um, so to give you an example, um, when I'm playing and I'm playing and, and things are going my way, I kind of have a, a process. And for me right now, or at least when I the last time I played, is right now, as I look down, I can see the why, which is not why am I listening to this podcast, but it's the why being my arms in the shaft of the club that forms the letter Y, right? So as I work that Y and I turn back, that really rotates my body. So for me, I can visually see that as I take that away. So I will see that Y going back and then I try and turn to the left with my hip as fast as possible. When I do that process, not every time, but when I do that process, most of the time I have some really fun shots. And if I can do that process, regardless of what my score is, when I get done at the end of the day and add up the score at the end, sometimes I'm like, wow, I really did pretty good. But as players, sometimes um, let's say I'm playing really good and let's say I'm maybe a couple under and I'm not thinking that I'm still in my process with every shot, doing my thing. I'm trying to be in the moment, doing doing the stuff, which we saw Phil Mickelson doing, right? Winning the PGA Championship. So um, I'll get somebody go, hey, did you know that you're two under at this time? Well, as a player, what do you do? You go, oh my gosh, I'm two under with so many to go. Then you put the cart in front of the horse and you're like, gosh, if I do this, I will shoot that. Well, guess what? Am I thinking about my process anymore? No, I got to go back to my process and say, hey, look, I can't, I can't worry about all that stuff. I've got to come back in and now go back to what got me here. That's taking my Y swing back, leading with my left side, getting over to the left side. And when I do that, I hit some really fun shots. When my body checks out, they're not so fun anymore. I'm not controlling the club face. I'm hitting it all over the place. Um, so, yeah. So I think as you go through, what helps you hit good shots? What think, process gets you to that? I, I think for me, me personally, is is being in a, in a good tempo. I think. As I play, like today, it, my daughter and I were playing. We're playing a scramble, and we're playing with two like novice golfers today. And it, you know, it just it got long early. It got long early in the first couple holes because they were taking forever. They were, you know, hitting, hitting, hitting. And luckily enough, my daughter has me to at least give us some distance, right? And I think for me, it's it's always about being in a good tempo, going through the same process of uh, practice swing. You know, taking one practice swing you know, kind of doing one hip turn, you know, taking a deep breath and then, you know, hitting for me, it's just kind of being in that good tempo. I think for me, it's, it's all about the tempo and about the pace. If I start to take too long, take too many practice swings, 
get out of my, you know, get out of that rhythm, that's when I know that the round starts to get long for me and it's no longer fun. And I'm in the woods, I'm in the trees, I'm grinding, or I get, I say too handsy, you know, to where uh, I try to save the shot or something. Yeah. So a couple of things I would say there is one, what, what gives you tempo? What gives you that for you? What do you think gives you tempo? I think, uh, Man, that's, you know, I'm a coach. I've been coaching for 15 years. And so I always like to learn from great coaches and great instructors. And and I hate when you, I get stumped, you know, and so you're stumping me right now. Like, I guess maybe a uh, tempo is uh, take, taking a little time, taking a breath, just trying to maybe, you know, just kind of gather myself, like taking a deep breath, you know, just kind of relaxing, uh, you know, trying to slow my breathing down a little bit. And, uh, you know, it's hard to pull myself back. I guess sometimes I go a little fast. I think fast. And I think tempos for me is just maybe nice and easy. Seeing my target, taking one practice swing, stepping up, kind of doing a little wiggle, boom, and getting into it for me at least. Yeah. And, I, and, and I'll go back. I mean, since, since I know you watched Phil this weekend, the same thing for him. I mean, you could see him go through that process almost every time. And so that would be one thing I think, I don't think people think about is when does the golf shot start for people? Because what happens is you've got that same problem, right? You've got people, these novices who are getting you out of your rhythm, but really you create your own rhythm, right? When does the golf shot start for you? And I think as you go through, whether it's your buddies playing and you know, you had your daughter with you at this time, but maybe you have your buddy in there and y'all are talking, having a good time. When does the conversation start? And when does your golf shot start or the mm. conversation stop and your golf shot start, right? You've got to create that. And I, and the same thing for Phil over the weekend, he's got all sorts of stuff. You got people talking, you got doing what they're trying to get crowds lined up, whatever. He's got to create all that stuff. And you could see him going into that moment. Right. And then he would go in. And one time I, I remember what hole, but he backed up, started all over again, went back into it. I mean, so you have to create that rhythm yourself. And I think that's a, that's, and they're doing, and they're used to doing that, right? And but it's still hard. I mean, he's trying to win a tournament. On top of that, you're just trying to have a good time with your daughter out there, and it's tough. But I think as you keep going, you have to create that rhythm. And then as you do it with your golf swing, the better job you do rotating your body to me creates that rhythm. So not only are you doing it to have that rhythm to hit the golf shot, and then the more you rotate your body, that's going to be your rhythm. Um, because your body's different than everybody else's. So yeah, I think I think those are things that you need to think about. Everybody needs to think about because I, I guarantee you, for me personally, I'm the worst because when I'm hitting, when I'm playing with people and I'm getting ready to hit my shot, my mind's still on that one last one liner that I want to give out to somebody or what or dig or whatever. When really, when that's happening, am I fully into my process anymore? The answer is no. I need to start over, get back to my process, and I'm the worst one. I'll go, oh, hell with it. I'll just hit it anyway. Well, that's the worst ones. I'm like, so why did I do that? Why don't just take the extra five seconds and start all over? It's not that big a deal. So, yeah, it's it's being mindful of that to where you can say, hey, no, it's worth my time for my shot for that extra five or ten seconds. It's so worth it. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Now, as we talk about Phil, who's your favorite p player out on the PGA Tour that you just love to watch? So I'll go my top three right now is uh, Roy McIlroy, Justin Thomas, and Jordan Spieth. Oh, gosh, man. I, I love Rory. I love watching Rory. Uh, he's a Nike guy, so I'm, I'm a Nike guy. Uh, I, I just – the style. I'm, 
I'm just, I do not like foot joys. I just, I can't, I can't, I can't wear them. I can't wear the foot joys. I'm just, and that was, that was my first golf shoe. You know, was was that foot, that classic foot joy that was white with brown or black, you know, down to the middle, you know, and, and look, let's. I got my Nike swoosh here. Yeah. So I've been a Nike athlete for eight years or so. Oh, look at that. That's awesome. That's it, man. I'm just, I'm just a Nike guy, you know, I love that's it. it. I got me some reacts. I got me some some nineties. I got the two seventies. I got some J's right there. Let me um, see if I can do this justice. Uh, okay. I I did a review on those. You have to go at least half a size up. I think for yeah. sure. Half They're a size up. Tight. Yes, I've got the thinnest socks I can wear, and my <laughs> is killing me. All right, as as we talk as we talk about brands here, uh, I'd say I saw you rocking some of the some of the Air Max. I saw you rocking some of the Air Max nineties. Uh, what is are are you in with? Do you are you sponsored? Are you team anything with any company right now? Yeah, so uh, I've been a Nike athlete for probably eight to ten years. I'd have to go back and check, but it's been a long time. And I've been with uh, Callaway Golf now for um, probably. Six years or so. Um, so I've I've had a lot of fun. Um, all right, pulling out the yes, the Maverick. Great job. So I've, it's been a lot of fun working with both those companies. Um, I've been able to hear, you know, where they're headed or what they're trying to do. Um, I was fortunate enough to be out to go out to Carlsbad to Callaway and and uh, meet all the folks who do all the their creation. Um, you know, Roger Calloway or Roger Cleveland, I'm sorry, who does all the Calloway wedges. I've had dinner with him twice and get to hear from the person what he's trying to do with the wedges. Um, you know, that's, that's pretty special. Um, and so, yeah, you get sold on that stuff. So, um, yeah, I'm in the, in the bag. I'm all the way through Calloway. I played the golf ball. Um, I've been to the plant Massachusetts, uh, to understand how they're how they're making those and understand and get to see the machines, you know, the 3D X-ray to make sure that the that the center core is in the center um, and what they're doing. So yeah, it's easy to uh, drink the Kool Aid and understand uh, <laughs> what they're doing. But uh, yeah, those are my two two companies, and uh, they've been uh, great to work with, and they've treated me well. It's it's funny you say that because as before we spoke, uh, before we started talking on the podcast, we talked about a mutual friend, Carlos Brown, and uh, out of Irving, out of Irving, Texas, there in the Dallas Fort Worth kind of area, and uh, same thing. He's a Nike guy. He's a uh, he's a Callaway guy, and I, from speaking with him and having him on the podcast, he said a couple of good things about the companies that he said. Not only do they make incredible high quality products, is that they're great. Uh, they're great. Uh, they're people. They're they're great people. They have uh, great people behind them, and they have great. Uh, you know, they're they're solid. They're solid people. They have values, and they have value, and they place value on the people that they have on their teams, and that they they've taken care of them. And that's something that I really like to hear. Is not only as yes, they can be these big corporations, but that they're also uh, good communicators, and that they take care of their people. Yeah, both companies have been great, uh, and the people that I deal directly with have been great, and they support uh, our business, um, and they help us do things uh, to help, in my case, my members uh, uh, have a lot more fun. So um, they've been great to work with. Uh, we just got our Nike account opened, um, 
And, uh, you know, and it's tough right now, especially somebody with Nike, you know, with all the product, uh, they're not all made here in the United States. So sometimes it's tough getting that product. Uh, Callaway has done a fantastic job of getting their product. Uh, and, and, you know, most of the product comes in from the, uh, comes from China and it comes through the port of Los Angeles. And right now, California is still not open hundred percent. The port of Los Angeles is 40% open. So my understanding is there's a hundred container ships sitting out in the, you know, a mile off the coast or whatever. Um, and Callaway's done a good job of, of going around to other ports, uh, Mexico, et cetera, to get product in and, uh, to make sure, because this golf boom, as you said, uh, there's people still wanting product and uh, they're still trying to deliver it. So, um, yeah, it's, it's tough. And fortunately, you know, golf balls are made here in the United States. And, and when this, this whole pandemic went down, Massachusetts, the state closed down completely. Well, that's the two, you got Tylos making golf balls. You got Callaway making golf balls in Massachusetts and both places were shut down. So, yeah, so golf, golf goes up like this. Well, there weren't any golf balls being made. And, uh, so they're, they're still trying to catch up from that. So, uh, but now they, they, they're doing great. And, and, uh, but it's been fun to work with both. Now, what has been one of your, the things that have stood out the most within your teaching career? Like what was maybe one of the best stories you have or best memories you have of one of your students or any of those like aha moments? Wow. Gosh. Um, so, you know, it's always, you know, everybody wants to talk about the, the, uh, really good players. I had a young lady when I was in the Houston area on, and, uh, I was in West Houston and, uh, she was going to Sealy, uh, Ashley Watkins. She won the three, a state championship out of Sealy. That was fun. She ended up uh, going to TCU with a, a scholarship. Uh, that was fun to be a part of that process. Um, and, and then, you know, just like tonight, I had a lady shoot 36 from 25 yards and, uh, you know, saying, hey, look, if you use this Y swing and finish facing the target, you hit better shots. And she did. And she made it. And, you know, those types of things, uh, you know, when somebody gets passionate about breaking 90 or 80 or whatever, um, and they're so excited when you help them do those things. And, and uh, um, those are, I mean, to me, also extremely gratifying. Uh, they don't have to be shooting 65 uh, for me. Uh, but those are fun when that happens, too. It is. And being a coach for 15 years, you love it when you see one of your players or one of your students you know, when that light bulb kind of goes off or you instruct them one way and they accomplish it and they look at you like you're just God's greatest gift. Like, damn, this dude knows what he's talking about. And then you're like, hey, got him. You know, like I, I know this game, you know, like in the words of Kevin Kisner, this ain't no hobby. <laughs> That's awesome. And you know what? It's funny. Sometimes they can come up with stuff that I'd never thought of. And uh, there's more space then there's stuff that I didn't think that they could do and they're like doing it. And so, yeah, it's, it's uh, fantastic. And that's at all levels. Um, so it's, it's pretty, it's, it's gratifying for sure. Now I got Sergio right here, all Callaway in my bag. Great products. This guy's a solid golfer. I, I played It's it's one of, one of, uh, one of my followers, one of somebody that watches and supports the podcast. I actually got to meet up with them. Sometimes I try my best to go and meet out and, Luckily enough, he's a member out at uh, the golf course that really helps really helps promote me, which is the Golf Club of Texas here in San Antonio. It's a little bit outside. I'd say it's about maybe about maybe about five, 10 minutes outside of the city limits on your way to, say, Gardner State Park or Concan, Yavaldi area. Now, 
it's a, he's a great golfer. And it, what this podcast has done is allow me to, to hook up with incredible people like yourself and to learn things. I've learned so much. And as a coach and a teacher, uh, you know, you try to steal, you try to steal things from other great instructors or other good coaches and different uh, teaching styles. Because like you said, with you learn, pick up things from your students and same thing, the yeah, same thing with me, you know, uh, I love the kid that, that is maybe uh, not so talented, but you know, is the question to you, cause you know what, maybe the hardest thing out of your students sometimes is to get them to like, ask you a question or to respond or, you know, just to pull something out, especially from those young kids. They're just, uh-huh, uh-huh. Or they're, you know, head is in the dirt or whatever. And they're looking the other way when you're trying to talk to them. And I was really glad to meet Sergio because he's a solid golfer and a good guy. And somewhere along the line, he's related somewhere along the line to Loreno Ochoa. So that's where I was just like, oh man, oh, you're somebody, you're somebody I need to know. That's royalty right there. Yeah. That's awesome. All right, as we get into just a little bit more of the golf, you stated Justin Thomas, you stated Jordan Spieth and Rory. Now, okay, I get Rory the Nike guy. What is it about JT and Spieth that just do it for you? Well, for Jordan Spieth, I mean, he might be the best putter on the planet, right? Um, when he's hot. Yeah, when he's hot. Well, I mean, just day in, I mean, he's just energy all the time, right? Um, and, and his interaction between him and Geller, um, it's just always, I mean, I don't know. It just seems like he's always fun. Uh, there's always something happening and sometimes it's not good. Um, but, uh, it's just fun to watch. And, and frankly, really, um, and JT's kind of that way. And, and really with Rory too, they're always, they're talking and, and, and you can kind of know where they stand. And, and for me, Rory really, he'll tell you kind of like it is and JT will and Jordan they'll to me, that's what I think I like about them is they're polished, but yet they're going to tell you what's on their mind versus a tiger who's always telling you what he tells you to not get in any trouble. Rory kind of, and Jordan and JT, they kind of tell you some stuff. And um, I think they, they, they tell it from the heart. They they're polished enough, but uh, they kind of tell you what's on their mind. And, uh, but no, uh, they're just fantastic. Uh, Rory's Rory's uh, short game is fantastic. Um, we talk about his uh, move a lot when we're teaching uh, and people know it. So it's, it's an easy person to draw from John Rahm's another good one. Um, but no, um, pulling those players, they're just fun to watch. I mean, if, if I was, if, if, you know, I could, if I was going to play with somebody, if, if it was like the last day on the planet and, and I got three players to play, I could do the sappy, you know, my dad or. Oh, don't go there. And, don't go there. That's, that's, one of, that's one of my questions. Don't go I'm there. Coming, don't I'm, go coming there. With, I'm coming with Rory, JT, and Jordan. Yeah, those are my three. Come on. Let's go tee it up. Now, I, I love, I love watching it because those guys are really candid. And funny you say that because those are three of my favorite players. I love JT. I, I hope. I hope he's able to get, you know, to get hot, to get on a hot streak because I, I really like his game. I like what he brings to the table. And Jordan, like you stated, it was fun. It, I, I like his interactions. You're right, you know, with Griller. And uh, I got to follow him a good amount when he was here for the Valero Texas Open. And it, it's awesome. It's awesome watching him. It's awesome hearing these guys, how they compress the ball. And just I could just be out there for days on the range just listening to them, how they compress that ball, how they hit it. And I said – how come my shots don't sound like those guys, right? And it's it's amazing to watch. All right, favorite golf movie? Caddyshack, are you kidding? <laughs> favorite character? 
Um, all of them. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say the gopher. The gopher is my favorite character. Judge Smiles. Uh, <laughs> hey, well, we're waiting. <laughs> and I never slice. <laughs> oh man, I love him. All right. Uh best, let's see right here. Best golf shot like that you can remember you've had. Oh gosh. Um, well, <laughs> It depends on the situation. Um, um, oh my gosh! Well, the only one I can think of right now, we were playing in the Texas Team Championship, and um, um, well, I'll, I'll make this. I'll try and make a long story short. So, me and my buddy Bobby Brown, who's at Colo Vista right now, um, we were playing in this match play tournament, and. Um, we we played uh, in the in the South Texas PGA and we played so bad qualifying that they uh, we didn't qualify in the Eastern chapter, which is the Houston area. And there wasn't enough people to qualify uh, that filled up the bracket in the Western. So they put us in the Western, which is the San Antonio Austin area. And so we go there. And so we're playing we're, we're in dead last. We're playing the defending champion because they were the number one seed in this match play deal. We meet at the bandit in New Braunfels because we're coming from Houston and they were nice enough to at least go to New Braunfels from San Antonio area to meet us there. We go over there and we're on like hole 17 and we're like almost kind of leading type thing. And I hit this putt and I hit it too hard. And, I, and you know how you'll do as a player, you're like, no, 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 too hard. To, stop, stop, stop. And it hits the back of the cup and goes straight down. It, <laughs> oh, it, and so the guys that were playing go, that wasn't even what you were trying to do. You know, so they're yelling at me that I wasn't even right. And it didn't matter. We beat them one up. So we beat the defending champs. And here's the best part. I call my wife and I'm like, hey, we're driving home. We're going to stop and eat. And uh, and we beat the defending champ. She goes, hey, uh, we need some bread. <laughs> Did you not hear me? We just beat the defending champ. She goes, uh, wait, hang on a second. And some milk. Oh. We need some bread and milk. I'm like, okay, what? Well, I'll get the bread and milk. Never mind. Just I'll talk to you when I get home. Yeah. Um, you know what? I, man, it sounds like your wife and your wife and my wife are cut from the same yes. cloth. You know, like it just, I man, she just she knocked me off my she knocked me off your horse. You know, she did. <laughs> she brought that's me right. down. It goes. Nobody cares about my shot but me. Uh, hey, you that's know? a tough. That's a tough hole there, number seventeen at the Bandit, the wall. Is yeah. that little part three that yeah. has those, those those bricks right there, that brick wall in front of it? Yeah, and that's a crazy green. Everything slopes kind of towards like that little creek or that dried up creek right there, or whatever. Man, that's awesome. That's awesome. I, okay, so the one of the last things is, as I'm watching, as I'm watching uh, the women's golf championship, the women's uh, NCAA golf championship. I was listening to uh, the winning team, Ole Miss. It was one of their seniors. I think her last name was Johnson or, or Jackson. She was crying, and then she was just talking about all the hard work and everything she had put into it and, and committing to Ole Miss four years ago when you know it, it might not have been the popular choice and seeing how happy she was and seeing how proud she was of her team and seeing that champion, that championship moment where – uh, you know, all that hard work, everything is so worth it. And 
showing my wife, I was showing my wife that video and she's like, well, well, how did it happen? I said, well, because match play, they play match play, you know, when you get down to the last teams and as a golfer, as a coach, I think match play is like the ultimate, like mono mono. Can you grind it out? You know, what are your thoughts on match play? And, and, and does it, do you see the same, you know, do you hold it in kind of the same regard as I do? For sure. So, um, what I think a lot of people will do is they will put whatever format in their favor, right? So if you're a pretty good player, you're going to want to play stroke play as much as possible because nine out of 10 times, you're going to beat whoever you're playing against. However, match play, if you're playing against somebody who's maybe not your skill level, um, it's completely a different mind game because let's say y'all tie the first one, you tie the second one, then your guy that you're playing against, you make four and he makes 10. Well, mentally, even though maybe I had the four, I'm still only one hole up. As a, if I had the 10, I don't really care because I'm still only one down. You know, so I mean, those types of that's where some people could kind of hang in there and hang in there. And let's say they're only two down after 14 when really they've shot eight shots worse than the person that they're playing against. Then all of a sudden on 15, they win that hole. And then the person who was leading is going, wait a second, I've been crushing this guy all day. He can't win. I mean, there's no, and then your mind gets all messed up because now you've extrapolated what should be happening. And instead of staying into the process or what we were talking about earlier. So yeah, all that stuff can happen. And, and if you're not careful and that's where, you know, really uh, listening to Tiger and watching them saying, Hey, I expected them to make that putt, but that's not what people do. What are we doing? I hope he misses. I hope he misses. No, you got to go. No, I'm expecting them to make it that way when they do. It's no big deal. I was expecting to make it the whole time. So, yeah. So those are the things you're it's a total mind game because you can start going. No, I should. That guy, he can't shoot 45. I mean, he can't shoot 45 on nine holes. How is he close to me? Because that's match play. That's how it's worked out because he had a he had, you know, he just had some big numbers and you're thinking, well, I'm crushing him. No, it doesn't matter. And you're only still a couple of holes, you know, so it's really uh, match play really can even things out. Um, it's just, it really messes with your mind. And if you're not, if you're not on top of your mind game, you could let somebody into the match who really shouldn't be there. I think maybe that's why I've, I've won my matches in my league is maybe just, maybe just cause they let me in like, no, you don't let me in. Don't let me in here. I, I like to poke the bear. I poke the bear. You know? Yeah. To give an example, I had a, uh, when I was at General Creek, we played in the uh, Texas Golf Association uh, match play and our club was playing against another, we were playing against Craig Ranch. And uh, we were playing, it was me uh, and with, I had a sixth handicap. Uh, we were playing against two scratch players. And on paper, there's no way we should have been close to that. But this sixth handicap, he's a bulldog. I mean, he, he's, a, he's a complete bulldog. And so he rises to the occasion. And so he's never out of the hole. So sure enough, we get down two holes after nine holes and we're down two, right? Well, it turns out we go take them all the way to 17 and, uh, and we stayed that, we stayed that the whole way and we're at 17 and he ended up 
missing a putt for birdie and he hit it in close and I really thought he was going to make it. But I mean, there's no reason we should have been in that match. Me as a scratch and him as a six playing two scratches. And I can tell you those guys probably, they should have closed us out a long time ago, but, but he was always in the hole when they thought he was out, he would hit it up and, you know, on par, we'll see that messes with their minds. And so, yeah, you can really do some things with people and anybody that's a bulldog, they're great match play players because people will, will, Oh, he hit it in the trees. He's out. No, he's not. You got to say, no, I expect him to make par from there. And that's where people get messed up. And I, I think that's one thing. Cause somebody asked me the other day, well, what's your best part of your game? I said, I hate to see myself swing. I hate watching myself play on the course. If somebody takes a video of me, I, I hate seeing myself on the range. I said, I like to think my best attribute on the course is that I just, I'm a grinder. I just, I never give up. I never give in. Uh, I, I'm a little, I'm a five foot four, you know, a uh, little guy uh, and that's on a good day. And I, I was picked last for every team I've ever been on. One of my, one of my high school teammates he said something the other day to me randomly. He said, Andy, you are the most in, intense guy, hardest working, uh, toughest guy I've ever played with. And I was just like, okay. I, I say, hey, I like that. You know, I said, I always try to be, he's like, you're a great teammate. And I just, I love to grind. I just, that's what I love about the game. I'm just, I just love when it's just, it's you against the course, you against the shot. And I think as I've, as I'm 41 years old, as I'm slowly, you know, aging like a fine wine over here. Uh, I, I think in, I, I'm thinking to myself that that's my best part of my game is that I love to grind it out. I do. I love to grind it out. I love when someone thinks I'm out, count me out. I've been counted out my whole life. I was like, what else is new? You know, that's fantastic. What a great compliment he gave you. Yeah. I think that's fantastic. How many people have you played with after seven holes? They they're done for the day. You know, they're, they've, they've thrown in the towel already. And you're just like, dude, well, you still got, We've got more. There's still plenty of time you can get something going. I mean, so yeah, I I, I love that about it. that's a fantastic story. I love it that you're doing that. I do, and 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 I like to. I hate to play guys like me. I do. I, I you know I I hate to play guys like me. I hate guys like me. That's why my podcast is called Nothing Is Ob because I don't have a filter when I speak with my friends. I'm just like I was like I just you know hey why'd y'all break up? You're not supposed to ask. I was like, I just want to know. Like, it's on my mind. I'm not going to gossip. I just I go to the source, <laughs> you know, you know, and things like that. Or, or what? Hey, well, why did you get a snowman on this? Or what? You know, like, oh, thanks, ass, you know, whatever. <laughs> All right. Craziest golf story that has happened when you've worked on the course or something. Craziest golf story that's happened at one of your facilities. Hmm. Craziest golf story. All right. So I was at uh, Dallas Athletic Club. We had the U.S. Open qualifier second stage. And uh, let's see, uh, on the blue course, hole number 18, it comes back to the clubhouse and this and uh, um, and it's on the opposite side of the clubhouse from number one. And let me see if I can describe this right. So this fella hits a shot on blue 18. He pulls it left. It hits the cart path hits the cart path again, and it's going parallel to the clubhouse. So he's not out of bounds, hitting the cart path. And it must have hit it like, we'll call it 10 times. And he hits it and it rolls up on number one tee box. So let's just say, if I can put a visual on this, he's 100 yards past the green. Okay. 
here and I'm over near. I just happen to be over there on number one. And and when you work those types of deals, the USGA really kind of runs the whole thing. We're as as a staff, we're just there to support them and anything they need. So I just happen to be over there by the tee box, and uh, and you get some, you know, like I remember this. So this was we'll call this uh, eight or nine years ago. You know, Tom Kite was there. You know, former U.S. Open winner. So you get to see stuff like that. So anyway, this fella has he's laying two. Uh, number 18 on the blue course, it's a par four. He's laying two, but he's got a yardage of 98 yards to the flag uh, hitting off of the number one uh, tee box because that's how his ball hit the cart path and rolled up. Uh, he made bogey, by the way. So, yeah, that was a trip. <laughs> that, like, see, I, ha I do have a 310, uh, I do have a registered 310 yard drive in, you know, in my books, but it did take two humongous, uh, you know, bounces off the cart path and hit a tree and landed in the fairway. But hey, I said, you know what? On according to my shot scope, my watch, my app. Hey, hey count it. Three ten, right? Three ten. Count it. All right. The last thing here. The last thing here. What's the one thing when you're on the course or when you're playing? Uh, the biggest cliche or the biggest, you know, there's there's a lot of meat on that bone. What's something you hate to hear when you're like on the course? mad guy they're trying to show everybody how good they are by being mad about every shot they hit yeah mad guy hey stop being mad why don't you go practice and get a clue of what's going on they're like <laughs> oh, oh, oh I, I never i never double bogey okay <laughs> yeah. all right all right Brad. is there anything that you want to plug or anything you want to talk about that's going on at the corpus christi country club or anything else yeah, no, uh, uh, if anybody likes golf, uh, you can check me out on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, I'm on uh, LinkedIn as well. I do. I post all those four uh, sites. Um, but yeah, check out my stuff. Uh, if you're around, um, I'll be happy to help. Give me a shout. You can contact me through any of those avenues. And I uh, just want to uh, plug you. Nothing's out of bounds. Uh, <laughs> appreciate you include me in your uh, podcast. And I've enjoyed uh, this hour. Well, thank you. I appreciate you so much. If you don't mind just kind of staying on as I, as I close out, I'd really appreciate it. I truly appreciate your time. I know you got a wife and kids, and I know you're super busy on the course. And I really thank you for being on the show. Keep up the great work. And I'm going to see you in July. I'm making my way over there. I, my daughter's got a cheer camp at the Omni. So I'm going to make my way over there to, to see you. Come on. I'll be ready. All right. That's I'll what I like to hear. I'll business card for you this time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's what I like to hear. Well, thanks, Brent. If you wouldn't mind staying on, I'd appreciate it. You got it. Now, I really want to thank Brent for being on, Brent for being on the show. Uh, he's an awesome guy, got a great attitude, and you can see why he's having so much, so much success out at the Corpus Christi Country Club. And uh, I'm really happy. It seems like they got a really good golf pro out there. And I know it, the place is only going up and up, especially for the golf times. It's great right now. Thank you for your supporting me. I appreciate it. You can follow me on Twitter, on Facebook, Instagram. Nothing is OB is my handle. I really appreciate it. Now, next week, I got a really awesome guest, too, to capitalize on Brent. I have Omar Uresti. He, right now, he's actually currently playing in the Senior PGA Championship in Tulsa. I'm looking forward to hearing some of his stories. Thank you for supporting the show. Remember, in the game of life, nothing is OB.